Hiya, and welcome to another episode of The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. You might be listening on Lisbon's 98 FM, or you could be listening on FM 105 in Downpatrick, or on Bangor FM in Bangor in the North Down area. Wherever you're listening, you're more than welcome. Oh, you could be listening on the podcast as well. Maybe you're listening in the future, after the fact. Hopefully not too far in the future, because this podcast, like some of the other ones recently, are kind of time-sensitive, because we are looking forward to the Moving On Music Brilliant Corners Festival. We're going to do a festival preview here. And to help me out tonight, I have Brian Carson from Moving On Music. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. I'm looking forward to next week when we get quite busy. So we are sitting in the Mac, which is where you're based at yes. Moving On Music. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, You've we, got your offices here, but yeah, what, what's the company like? Well, it's a company that I started 21 years ago, believe it or not, and it was... What I wanted to do at the time was to have a music promotions company that would bring music to Belfast and Northern Ireland that wouldn't otherwise be here. And music that was kind of arts-based. And that's why we get grants from the Arts Council, for example. And music that was challenging and exciting yeah. more than anything and interesting. Now, I mean, that, 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 that's a challenge in itself, obviously, <laughs> because for challenging music, uh, it um, can challenge the audience as well. However, I have to say, when we started, this is the fifth edition of this little jazz festival called Brilliant Corners. Mm-hmm. And over the years, like the budget hasn't expanded any because just that's not the way funding's going these days. But on the other hand, the audience has. People yeah. are buying and have bought into it. I'm really pleased to say. Well, here let's let's dig into this program because you've thrown a lovely square program on on the desk here where we are recording. I was kind of almost a little bit disappointed because it's the size of a CD. It's that square shape of a CD. It's like, oh yes, give me a free album. But it is the Brilliant Corners Festival program. So I'm opening it up. It's really lovely design here. And just to do a sort of an at a glance here, you're taking over a couple of venues for the week. So Sonic Arts Research Centre which uh, our listeners should be familiar with. We've covered a couple of events there. Uh, That's at Chlorine Park in Belfast, and that's got the amazing uh, Sonic Lab with all the speakers, like 40 speakers across four levels, like above you, below you, you know, behind you, underneath your seat, everywhere. Uh, You'll be in the black box. Yes. But also the Beanbag Cinema. Yeah. Because there's a little film program within the festival we'll be talking about later as well. And the Crescent Arts Centre. Yes. And the Crescent's a venue you've been using quite a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, well, between it and the Black Box and the Duncairn and the Mac here, we we, we use all of those those venues quite a lot. Uh, We haven't used the Mac this time, but there's no particular reason for that. It just didn't kind of... You try to fit the shows to the venue if you can. Yeah. It's not always possible. So I'm looking through the program and I'm looking at the at a glance section. I love this. This is for me because I, I often don't feel like I have the time. If I made the time, I would have the time, but I always want the information really quick. And you have it listed out the days of the festival. So Tuesday, 7th of March, right through to Saturday, the 11th of March. Some days there's a couple of events. Well, the first day there's only one event at the Sonic Arts Research Centre, and there's two, but there's two bands playing that. So who's who's in that? Oh, that's got Faint, who is sort of like a Sark supergroup. Yes, that's, that's right. That's got Pedro Rebello, Francesca Schroeder, Steve Davis, and Ricardo. Jacinto, he's he must be back from Portugal, the cellist extraordinaire. Yeah. Yes.
but the and, and the the other part of that gig is Serene 109, which is uh, led by Hanard Park, who uh, spent a lot of time in Cork. also has the phenomenal Dominic, Dominic Lash and double bass and Mark Sanders drums, who are two of like the, the main free players from London, and also Caroline Pugh on voice and electronics, who have been known to the scene here as well. You would say that's more free improvisation? I would, yes. Say? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and you know, Brian, I love this, that you have all the players listed in each of the lineups for the band, because you don't see that anywhere else. But is that a jazz sort of thing? It, or a classical I think it is, yeah. I think, I think that people, like, for instance, when you see a, a band that's called Hands, to be honest with you, it doesn't really mean very much. But when you see that it's sort of Ronan Guilfoyle's band, that might, might mean something. But also, like, it's got Tom Rainey on drums, as I said earlier, one of the great drummers from New York, similarly Dave Binney on saxophone. You know, that's why, in some ways, because some people who are into this music associate more with the individual names than they ever would with names of bands. So that Hans gig at the Black Box is on the Wednesday then? That's the correct, yeah. of the festival. That's kind of, just like, kind of really good, original, what would be known as a modern jazz, probably slanted towards a kind of modern American jazz, you know, swinging music. writer of, 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 of new music and he does that both for kind of improvisers, jazz musicians, but he also writes quite a lot for uh, orchestras and chamber groups too. So we'll move into the Thursday and the gig that night is the tribute to Charles Mingus with I Am Three. This is a band from Germany. Uh, it, it's interesting because Charles Mingus was well known for being a, a mainly a bass player, but there's no bass in this band. <laughs> and saxophone and Nicholas uh, Noiser on trumpet and uh, Christian Murray on drums but uh, they apparently the, the show they did at the Munster Jazz Festival in Germany I mean they play all around Europe all the time was exceptionally good and that's supported by um, Joseph Leighton who's one of our emerging artists a uh, local guitar player from Derry really really up and coming and James Anderson's originally from here he spent quite a lot of time in Leeds he's on drums and Connor Murray, that's, that's, that's a local, a local trail.
Joseph's been taking the advantage of, of being on this emerging artist scheme and it's going to be really interesting to hear him play again. Is, is that an important aspect of the festival for you to, you know, complement the touring bands who are visiting Belfast with a local support? For sure. Give them that oh, platform? Oh, very, very much so, yeah. And also, yeah, give new bands a platform too. I mean, it's not that they're sort of, I know they're playing in support, but it's kind of equal billing in some ways, you know. But, I mean, their set will be probably shorter than, but that's inevitable. Because Joseph's only making his way. I mean, he's only, the guy's only about 18 or 19 years old. Right, okay. And um, he's he got a scholarship to Berkeley, which mm. is pretty impressive. Or, or is it Banff? Sorry, it might be Banff. Forgive me. But one of the big uh, Yeah, one, one of the big colleges yeah, over in North America, yeah. Right. Uh, so that, and, but also on the Thursday night is the first film. And it's, we, we, uh, it's a great documentary film about the life of the very uh, controversial saxophone player called Albert Eiler. Oh, why was he controversial? Because he took everything to the edge. He was black. He was black par. He played at John Coltrane's funeral. Um, he was a, just a very controversial character. For so, I think mainly because he was challenging. Mm. He was challenging the system I guess, in lots of different ways. You need to see the movie. Quite a troubled character, but he died under very mysterious circumstances. He was found in the East River, and I don't think they ever discovered whether he, how he got in there. Um, really, really phenomenal player of the saxophone. He played incredibly loud. You know, he took... But he still had total control of the instrument. Um, I, I mean, I, I personally love his, love his music. It's like hymns in a cast funny kind of way. It really hits you in the heart, his music. You know, it's, it's very related to the blues in some ways, but it's, there's a lot of wailing goes on. And the movie then obviously then gets into the music, but is it grounded on that sort of off the stage life as yes well. it is yeah and the political and social yeah, context that, of that. yeah oh, absolutely it's, it's a very good documentary so that kicks off the sort of the film component of the festival at the beanbag cinema and then there's another film then again related to um civil rights yeah in the states yes. the black power mixtape that's on the friday night again at the beanbag cinema that's correct yeah i mean the 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 the, the films are curated between our set well we, we discussed them, but it's, it, I mean, it was the Belfast Film, Film Festival approached us oh, okay. to work with us and to try and put on stuff that, that sort of helped our program. And it's really great to be working with them. With the Black Power mixtape um, got great reviews at the time. And the soundtrack has like, you know, got a whole life of its own really yeah, uh, yeah. upon the release of the film. On the Friday, we also have this double, this double header gig. Um, of yes. two of Dan's Dan's and the Hedvig Molstad trail from Norway. Dan's Dan's are from Belgium. Two guitar trails, uh, really kind of powerful stuff. I mean, especially Hedvig Molstad. I mean, takes no prisoners. Really, uh -huh. really. I mean, quite kind of Dan's Dan's are are quite arty and interesting. And you know, I really liked them when I saw them in uh, Jazz Ahead.
Effie Volstead again. I came across her through a review in The Wire okay. recently, and I thought, hmm. And then I spoke to um, Ken from the IMC in Dublin, and I asked him, had he heard Hedwig? And he said, yeah, and she was really great. And I said, well, what about a, a double bill of these two bands? And he said, yep, we'll do that with you. Do you see these as sort of like two poles of where guitar-oriented improvisation, jazz are out at the minute? Uh, yeah, they're part of it. They're part of it. They're both bands work a lot, and uh, because I mean the circuit obviously in continental Europe's huge, and it's just really nice to be able to bring stuff like that this here, you know. And I mean, people won't know of these bands particularly, but I think they just have to trust us that we'll have a good night, especially if they like guitar music. So Saturday then rounds us off. Yeah, Saturday it starts off with Nigel Mooney's band from Dublin called Organ Failure, which has a local organ player, uh, Scott Flanagan in it. Uh, uh, Dominic Mullen on drums, Nigel on guitar. And then uh, their guest is the great John Toussaint, who lives in London, but he came to fame through uh, one of the last editions of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Uh, I saw them actually when they played in Dublin. I don't know how long ago it was. It was a very long time ago. It was probably 25 years ago. But John uh, settled in uh, in London and uh, works at the Royal Academy and places like that. And it's always a pleasure to have John here. Uh, people like him. He draws an audience. Good entertainment show. So, what kind of sound is Organ Failure? What it's kind of fans of? It's kind of it's kind of modern, kind of hard bop, bebop, you know, jazz. Just good tunes and improvisation solos. Scott's one of the busiest musicians in the world. <laughs> I don't think Scott's has a day without a gig, it would appear. I mean, he plays a lot in, in, in Burt's, etc. He plays in lots of people. He plays with Ronnie Greer quite a lot. He plays in all kinds of groups, you know. He's played with Dan and Masters for a bit. and I'm sure he's happy, very happy that moving on music has given him a chance to play with this group. It sounds like yeah, it's going to yeah. be a fun I'm, afternoon I, I, for I, Scott. I, yeah, I hope he is. <laughs> So what was the, that? Is is there a reason for this one going on, sort of as a matinee show? We we did the a matinee show last year with uh, with Tommy Smith, who was on tour for us, and it worked really really well, and we got a different audience. 
So we just thought it was worth, worth repeating. And often matinee shows are worth doing as is evidenced by the outdoor lunch festival and a lot of the cathedral quarter stuff. Uh, matinee, people seem to like matinee shows. And there used to be a tradition of having jazz gigs on in Belfast on a Saturday afternoon. I think there still is. That's in the afternoon, the Black Box Organ Theatre with that sort of star-studded quartet. And then uh, we have um, uh, the Frank Zappa film, which is called Eat That Question. And again, it's in the Beanbag Cinema. The films are really strong. I mean, I know that it appeared in the QFT, but I think a lot of people missed it. It's an absolutely brilliant film about a musician. And so that's like a, a, a biographical about Zappa? Oh, yeah. It's a really, really excellent documentary. Really, it's absolutely not to be missed. The evening show is strobes with support from Robocobra Quartet. Yeah. Do you think anyone will have the energy to sustain both of those games? Well, I mean, there is, there is a, there's quite a few of, well, we have a ticket for all shows. That are, oh, it's yeah, quite tell outrageous. me more about that. Yeah, it's £40. That's for um, all six concerts. Oh, wow. So it's not a bad deal. We did this for the first time last year and there was a pickup on it and uh, we've done it again this year and there's been a pickup again again too. Whether, I'm not, I think there was only one person last year who made it to the mall. <laughs> but, you know, even if you only get five shows for 40 quid, it's still, it's still a pretty decent deal. Going to four shows, you're getting good value for money. So adding on five is like you're going to free shows, like you're getting one for free and yeah. then adding six is you're getting two for free. Yeah, really. because the, the, so the more the, energy you have, the more you yeah. get out of it, really. Well, well the, the general price for tickets is um, it's between sort of, well, the films are only five pounds. The general price for a ticket is four pounds or ten, 14 pounds, 10 pounds concession. Mm -hmm. So it is a pretty decent deal. Yeah. Um, for and anybody the, that's got the energy and the interest. Yeah, and I guess the nice part of it as well is that if you're thinking of maybe going to two, like I, I, I've done that, I think I did that with your Roots Festival before, just just get like the sort of weekender ticket and you'll end up going to a gig that you might not have went to otherwise, but end up discovering yeah. an artist. Like you say, a lot of the artists might not be familiar to people at first name recognition, but once you see them live, it's like, oh wow, how do I yeah. hear more of this music? Yeah, I mean, I, I just Strobes, for example. I mean, Strobes are, 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 have only recently formed, and I just heard about them on the grapevine, and then I found out when I was talking to a colleague that they're actually performing at the, uh, the Gateshead International Jazz Festival just after us. So they're obviously picking up a head of steam if they're being booked for a show like that. Um, so and what sort of sound does Strobes? Strobes is kind of, I, I suppose... If you have to put a label on it, it'd be in the sort of more prog-rocky side of things. Okay. Which I'm personally a, quite a big fan of. down the lineup like we said earlier they've got the the musicians and what they play listed for every gig here yeah. which i love that detail but it's mostly guitar bass drums sax trumpet yeah. you know you're kind of jazz improv yeah. stalwarts 
when you get the strobes, it's keyboard, synth, laptop, electronic drums. So it's, it sounds a little bit different, I guess. That's yeah, why. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing them. And then we have, of course, the the, uh, the very hardworking Robo Cobra Quartet supporting uh-huh. them. And Robo Cobra Quartet are one of your uh, emerging yeah, artist platforms. Yeah, and we helped them launch their their new record. And um, yeah, we've put them in touch with a few people that they might other, not not otherwise have been able, been in touch with. And sure, they've been working with. Uh, uh, people like Brian Irvine and just getting advice and stuff like that. Well, their album, Music for All Occasions, that's been out maybe a, a couple of months now. It has, yeah. 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 Great cover art as well, the photo of the tea set. And it's like totally a juxtaposition to how they sound. Yeah. It's like not it's not the image that you would really associate, but that's why you love Rubicover Quartet because they'll do something like that. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're led by Chris Ryan, um, front man but at the back of the stage on drums and vocals and have this really nice saxophone pairing yeah and a really dirty driven bass um currently played by ryan burrows an island of a man didn't pay chipping away till I got nothing left to chipping away till I'm bare and I see no evil anywhere speak only if it improves upon the silence guess I'll choose death as well as mute at least my pinball game would improve And Robo Cobra Quartet have got a real momentum right now in Belfast. They played the Output Festival there. Yes. So it's where, you know, the Cathedral Quarter of Belfast has taken over for one night and all the venues have tons of bands. Robo Cobra Quartet at the Duke of York upstairs was the gig you had to be at. Like that's the one everyone had ticked in their little pamphlet uh, one. But And they put on an amazing show. Like they're Good. great energy. I didn't get to that one, but it was at the last one that they did in the 101 Donegal Street, which was their album yeah. launch, which was... Which was a good night, uh, yeah, yeah. They're they're really they've really come on over the past year, yeah. And looking forward to hearing them hearing them again. But I guess like strobes, like you find it quite hard to define their sound. Like Robocopper Quartet, people do like add all the little signposts and say, you know, there's elements of hip hop, there's elements of jazz, there's elements of like uh, kind of a bit of hardcore in yes. Chris's persona. Yeah. Well, you're you're doing anything. it for me, thanks. Um, but yeah, is there anything you want to add to this? No, I don't, I, know, I don't. I don't. You're doing. You're quite resistant to adding the labels, and I know. What, I kind of. I, I kind of feel like I know why. But in case I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, saving face more than anything. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, you, you. I don't know about labels. I don't know whether it does anything, any justice. Uh, you know. I suppose when people hear the word like it's an improvised music concert, they're gonna go, Ugh, I don't want to go to that. But then again, they might go, well, if it's if if, if it's labeled as sort of something like new jazz, they might. Who knows? I don't know. It's 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 a very difficult one. Because I think this is where all the I mean, you look at bands like, you know, I suppose Radiohead, they have a lot of elements of all this stuff. 
In fact, the drummer from Radiohead played the festival two years ago, and it was with the band Get the Blessing from Bristol, and it was a fabulous show. So, I mean, there are bands that cover a lot of this stuff, and, you know, it's, it's, it's about an experience as much as anything mm. else. It's, 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 it's going to an event that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but you know what's going to happen. It might, it'll be good. You might not like it. That's, I think that's fair enough. I mean, we, it's, it's part of human nature. We want them to categorize and organize things. And especially with like uh, promotion and plugging and all, like if you send a press release to a uh, radio station or, you know, if you end up on the Jill Case yeah. podcast, yeah, <laughs> you have to sort of organize so audiences know in a sense what to expect. But you're totally right in that. There is a magic to, you know, going and, 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 and hearing something and having an experience without it being framed in a certain way. I mean, I don't mind this being called a jazz festival by any means because that's what it's ma mainly related to. But it takes in all the other things that surround that music, you know, or, or it deals with the different elements of it. Because, like, for instance, the first show on, at Sark that's very much about improvisation and noise, for example. Whereas the show with Jean Toussaint on the Saturday afternoon is very much about sort of bebop, hard bop, blues, you know, which is sort of more traditional. And Strokes is about experimentation, but in a kind of tonal way, I guess. The, the festival itself then is kind of representative of how we are right now in in society and in art sound and music it's like everything is multifaceted yeah well i mean well wider politically yeah we are all over the place um but there's this multifariousness is that a word that i yeah. make that up there there is um just by the way that culture has evolved over the 20th century and now we're like taking stock you know life is a remix you know, and we're, we're curating our own timelines online on our social media channels, but everyone is a fan of everything nearly, and everyone wants to seem like they know a bit about every different kind of thing, but we need those little signposts to be able to point at that. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, I, I you know, it's not that I'm being resistant, resistant to label everything. We're talking about sort of genres and labeling, but jazz is one of those music styles that has really been, you know, over the course of the 20th century, people have put lots of different artists in lots of different boxes and nearly like micro genres of yeah, yeah. how things evolved. And you, you say hard, hard bop and bebop, and maybe some listeners wouldn't have known there was a difference between the two. What do you think about all of that? Well, they're part of the tradition. And jazz, in some ways, is a classic classical music now. In some ways, it's not a museum piece. It's not a museum. I, I, not yet. There's things like Kamashi Washington. I mean, he's bringing a lot of new people to the music. I mean, I personally think it's all been done before, but you know, that doesn't take away from the fact that he's created a huge amount of excitement surrounding and and bands like Snarky Poppy uh, as well. And then there's Sons of Kemet who played for us last April and brought a huge audience to the Black Box. Thundercat, yes. for example, he's crossing into that area. Run the Jewels, appeared on the front of The Wire, the last edition of The Wire. What's that about? I mean, it is uh, Thundercat and Kamazi. It's, it's all about the collaborators they work with, right? I mean, Kendrick Lamar and Flying Lotus yeah. uh, being two of those who have a massive following in hip-hop and in kind of, well, 
I don't want to use the word the, the label IDM because it seems really out of fashion now. But uh, they have their own massive fan bases, and then that's brought Sundercat and uh, Kamazi into like just this massive wider realm of people who are just interested in a bit of the avant garde. Well, believe it or not, that's what we're trying to cover some of that in this. Now the names won't necessarily be known, but the product will be just as good. Yeah. Like bands like Strobes. For example, jazz, some people think it's a four-letter word, but I think it's just a great music, you know? And what it's got a, you a great, into jazz? What? What got you into jazz? Um, listening to bands like Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart. Yeah. To be true, to be honest, yes. Uh, when I was at university in Newcastle upon Tyne, a very long time ago, and that's what got me into... I mean, I remember... I mean, Frank Zappa, some of his music I didn't particularly like, but some of it was truly great. And I remember this track called The Eric Dolphy Memorial Barbecue. And it was like all this crazy screeching and stuff. And I wondered, who is Eric Dolphy? <laughs> so, of course, there was no internet in those days. So you just had to research it through books and stuff like that. And I found that Eric Dolphy was, well, he was dead by this time. He died, died very young of, um, I think it was a brain tumor, but... He was Charles Mingus for favorite musician, played with Charles Mingus, did a lot of touring in Europe. Um, he was made one of the great jazz records of all time called Out to Lunch. Um, in fact, the bass player from Out to Lunch also plays on Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. So there's all sorts of connections. And then if you listen to Charles Mingus because of Eric Dolphy, you start listening to Duke Ellington, then you start listening to old, even older stuff. I, you say you start, but this is your story, right? I yeah. started, this is Brian started listening to Duke Ellington yeah, and then yeah. Brian did this, yeah? Yes. You kind of got became a student of the game, really, and uh, got a little bit nerdy and, you know, f f wanted to dig a little bit deeper. And I guess without the internet, we're probably, you know, reading magazines and trying to... Well, I was lucky in the time that I went to university, there was, you would, you would hear live bands nearly every other night in the, in the student union, and some of those bands had some great jazz players in them. I, mean, I, I saw um, John Heisman's Coliseum once, and I think Jack Bruce was playing bass, for example. Um, I mean, that, that, that was a regular occurrence. You know, that happened on a weekly basis, that all these players, and, you know, like Eric Clapton would turn up, and... You know, whenever I was in the student halls, that was the famous Wings tour turned up. I mean, I, I missed it. Apparently it was truly awful, but, um, <laughs> they, you know, that was one of the first gigs that Wings did in Newcastle. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, but was that was your, um, was that your sort of, uh, discovery of live music as experience? Yeah, then? it really was because I was born in the country here and I never really got the chance to go to any shows. And then I managed to get, go away to university. I mean, I'd seen, I'd, 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 I'd seen taste up in the Ulster Hall, Ginger Baker's Air Force. <laughs> and that was after Cream broke up, of course, and things like that. And um, then Lizzie. And, but Newcastle was great because I managed to see an awful lot of American bands, including Santana, for example, the first time they toured. So it sounds like you're a bit of a guitar head to start off with. 
Probably. We ever play her? Uh, yes, a bit. Just only as an amateur, really. I played clarinet, saxophone. Oh. So I'm aiming. I'm aiming to take the clarinet up again. Clarinet up again soon. You could join Robocobra Quartet. <laughs> <laughs> if, I mean, if they ever need another, yeah, 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 a, a trio yeah, clarinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris has got me down. So it was it was Newcastle then, and those student union gigs. And what were we studying at the time? Engineering. Yeah, but I mean, it was. It, I suppose also it was a lucky time to go to university because it was a bit more than just about getting a, a qualification. It was about meeting other people and exchanging ideas and yeah. stuff like that. I met a lot of it's artists. more accessible that, as well. Yeah, and we didn't have fees to pay either. Yeah, <laughs> totally different time. Completely right? different time. And of course, it was the sort of, I went to the, you know, the end of the 60s and there was a bit, you know, there's still a lot of really good music to be heard. I mean, I saw Cat, I was lucky enough to see the Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band twice, and which was a revelation, absolutely a revelation. And so that kind of influenced, well, and the blues as well. A lot of, I mean, there was an awful lot of people there who had vast record collections. An awful lot of blues music, you know, minor songs. It was the time whenever working class people were admitted to university. Yeah. And you were meeting a lot of very interesting people who had huge record collections, you know, of Dylan and the band and so on and so forth and Joni Mitchell. And I mean, there are some very good halls there. I mean, Newcastle City Hall was, was very, very famous. Mm-hmm. I saw the, um, Rod Stewart in the faces there with about 150 people. Okay, I need mean, to start writing all these down and starting the list of who you didn't see in Newcastle. Anyway, wait, look, what happened to the engineering? That was a really solid job you could have had. Well, the engineering. Instead of being a music promoter. The, engine, the engineering went by the wayside because I didn't really like it in the first place, but I did work at it for quite a long time. And then the more I get interested in the arts, whenever I came back here during the very dark days of the Troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, the arts just seemed like a great way of making an alternative life mm-hmm. and also sort of challenging what people thought. And that's how I was just through the arts that I got involved in. in, in I mean, I always loved music, but I never thought I would start promoting music. And then I did. And uh, I've been doing it ever since. So it's, I mean, it's been going on for quite a long time did you, for me. Do you work in oysters as well? Yes, I did, yeah. I worked on an oyster farm. That was that was in between engineering and and and, and the arts council. <laughs> that was your gateway into the arts? <laughs> yeah. The oyster but farming? At, at the time, I actually did a, 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 pre, a pre-degree level course at the University of Ulster, a foundation in music. Oh, okay. While I was working at the... I was, uh, while I was working on the oyster farm, I was practicing my clarinet... And then I decided I would take it a bit further. So I was on saxophone then, and I did a kind of A-level in, in music from scratch in a year at the university. So was this late 80s? No, this was uh, late 70s, early 80s. Okay. So then what were you at then sort of throughout the 80s that then brought you towards the beginnings of moving on music, which must have been in the mid-90s, well, was the, it? Uh, 95, yeah. Before that, I was, yeah, I was working in the Oystar firm, learning to play music, putting on the odd gig. So that's what I was doing, just sort of trying to learn an instrument, but I realized I wasn't very good. 
<laughs> you're better at uh, doing the door. Uh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, I knew where my skills were, but the engineering did come into play, and in, in the fact that uh, I suppose if you're if you're studying engineering, you learn how to organize things uh-huh. and perhaps do a budget and stuff like that. Yes. So uh, it it came into play, but I suppose the opportunity that I got when I worked for the Arts Council was a good one as well. Mm-hmm. I joined a group of artists called Art and Research Exchange, which were part of Joseph Boyce's Free International University. Shout out, Boyce. <laughs> yeah. And so it came out of that. And, you know, we had a rehearsal room and I used to let lots of punk bands like the Idiots in to, to rehearse. And um, then I got a bit of confidence in what I was doing there and they allowed me, although it wasn't a music-based organization, it was visual art-based and, you know, Alistair McLennan was part of it. He's still around, a very world-famous performance artist. And then I started to put on gigs and they were generally for benefits for the organization. And um, we did uh, some punk gigs and some jazz stuff. And personally, I was very, very interested in music and I realized that there was there wasn't very much modern music happening and apart from obviously punk and popular music there wasn't sort of any really improvised music happening or modern jazz or uh, world music so-called so it was my interest in those musics that started me off as a music promoter but I was for a very long time I was a music promoter I suppose an amateur volunteer I did some work in jazz development for the Arts Council in Northern Ireland. That would be sort of 25, 26 years ago for five years. Um, they wanted to develop jazz as an art form. But whenever that finished, I had an idea. I wanted to set up a music promotions company, and that's what I did. And it's still going reasonably strong today. I mean, it started off from very, very modest beginnings. I mean, it was just myself for about a year and then managed to get somebody else to come and work who liked what I, what I was trying to do and the kind of bands and music that we're representing. And then it grew over the years to about four people whenever there was quite a lot of lottery money about. At the moment, we're sort of three and a half people, really strong team. It started because of my, I guess, keen love of music and being challenged by music and enjoying it and getting out and about to live music, really. So you said uh, like music, the music can be challenging to the listeners, but I'm I'm always impressed by moving on music because I see the real challenge as actually identifying those artists to bring over because these are often artists working in the underground. Like they're probably only really getting covered by magazines like Wire um, and online outlets. So how are you finding these bands? And are are you the person who books the bands, or how does that work in, in well, the internal organisation? It's it's a mixture now. I mean, we have people with different skills in the organisation. I mean, there's myself. So I, I sort of lead the organisation, but uh, Paula, who does our uh, touring and outreach, I mean, she comes from a sort of classical and traditional music background. Michael's interested in, who does our marketing and is interested in all kinds of different musics. Probably post-rock would be more his kind of thing. But I suppose it's each of us listening to stuff. That could be online. I mean, I listen to a lot of radio, especially a lot of Radio 3. Um, Generally, the kind of stuff that's on late at night, like, you know, Late Junction. I really like Late Junction as a program. Jazz and 3 was a fantastic program. Got a lot of interest in that. And also do a bit of traveling. I mean, I went to, for the first time, for the first time last year, 
I went to uh, the Jazz Ahead conference in Bremen, and that's where I heard Dan's dance play. For example, who are playing in this program, keep, we keep, I just kind of try and keep my ears open. And of course, then you're also approached by people. Uh, I mean, we would like to be doing more events, to be quite honest, but there just isn't the budget there. Uh, and it, it is quite, I mean, we, we provide an all year round program. And it's not just jazz, it could be anything from sort of kind of very straight ahead chamber music through to quite crazy experimental music. Yeah, that's the nice thing about moving on music as a sort of, a structure when I kind of think of it as a structure when you put out your new um say for a certain season you put out your new program and um there are a couple of key sort of genre signposts but you do deviate but I, w- I would say yes yeah, there's the jazz element but then there's this sort of contemporary classical element uh, or even you could say chamber or orchestral if you want don't want to use that classical yeah. term um but then there's also that roots or trad element as yeah. well and we had Raina Gellard on the podcast recently and you had brought her over she was doing roots americana um, yeah, and and is that really to do with your taste and, and where you're at in terms of straying away from the mainstream and finding these pockets? Well, well, I think that because we're a funded company, it's sort of we're obliged to try and bring stuff here that wouldn't otherwise be here and stuff that you know that that isn't being covered by other people. So, I mean, we do. I'm very open to all kinds of music, and you know, I kind of do believe in that sort of it's a bit of a cliche cliche now. I mean, the Duke Ellington. Uh, Max, I'm sort of like, there's only two kinds of music, and I kind of firmly believe that. Wait, what are the two kinds? Good and bad. <laughs> I'll not ask you and, what and, bad music. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and, but I, rarely do you hear it. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes things don't work. Generally, you know, musicians are pretty on it, you know, and so it's more, it's also more to do with, you know, especially when we're touring, I suppose you need to be putting out product on tour that people will buy into or else you're not going to have any tours because the art centers out there will not. There's no point in us putting experimental music out on tour. There really isn't because there's not the critical mass of audience to support it. There's just about the critical mass of audience to support something experimental here in Belfast. Never mind, you know, putting it out to wherever all the money or something like that. That's kind of pointless exercise. So we try to put together really good tours that have something, you know, have good quality attached to them. The artists, I mean, we've just done a tour with a really great classical string quartet called the Cremona from Italy. I was down at their their um, concert uh, in the Portico in Port Ferry on Saturday night. It was the last concert of the tour. And it was really, really great because you don't often hear a really, really, really high-end string quartet. And, you know, the power in those those groups, I mean, is the, the origins of the kind of rock and roll group, I suppose, yeah. in some respects. But it was a lovely concert, and the venue was fantastic, and the audience were really, really appreciative. That's what we, that's what we want to do. Like, with this here, this, 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 this little festival, obviously there's room for a lot of different things. Now, there, there's quite a lot of names that people will not know, but believe me, they're really, really good musicians. I've mentioned a couple, like, I mean, Dan's Dan's were playing at, at Jazz Ahead. You don't get playing there unless you've got something to give. 
Don't you think that that's the, you know, that's your role as a, a promotions company here in Northern Ireland who has built a reputation at this stage is to bring people and that the audience here trust you as the purveyor of new music? Well, that's what they, that's what we, that's, that's our aim. Of course it is. And yeah, and, and sometimes, I mean, it, it's quite, Sometimes yeah, it can be challenging for us because we, you know, you can't, you come towards a show and there's not many tickets sold and you're going, hmm. Because that, the worst thing you can do in this business is put on <laughs> a show to no audience. I mean, that's just really soul destroying for everybody concerned. But, you know, sometimes we have a small audience, but sometimes the small audience is what is, is right. I guess. I mean, you can often think, oh, this is not so good. But then the show finishes and you realize, well, the people that were here really, really liked it. So maybe that's all you need. No, obviously, you don't like to lose an awful lot of money on a show. You know, if you haven't hit your box office target, you have to make that somewhere up along the line. Now, we do quite a lot. We could be covering 80 or 90 dates a year. So it's a kind of swings and roundabouts situation. Sometimes our predictions are exceeded and sometimes they aren't. So you hope to get to the end of the year. That average is out. <laughs> yeah, that average is out. Um, I mean, well, you could have you could have got into a different business if you wanted to make sure it was uh, massive revenues all the time, right? Well, yeah, I, I don't think it would have been music because, as you probably well know, at the scale we're working at, the only way you'll make any money off music is by selling alcohol. I mean, that's just the facts. But that's not what we do, and we get funded by the Arts Council, City Council, PRSF, for example. Um, and Department of Communities, Esme Fairburn, we get, we get funded by those people to do certain things. And we have to stick to our plan and try and uh, develop them and deliver for those agencies or else we, we'd be finished, you know, because uh, it's not even so much. I mean, we do have to hit certain, we have to hit certain targets and, you know, the targets could be different. It's not just the audience. It's about, you know, have you delivered on, you know, what you said you would do, how many people participated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we have a big emerging artist scheme going on at the moment, which is funded by Esme Fairburn that uh, Paul is uh, running. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing. And there was a lot of people applied for it. And we picked four acts and we're taking, we're helping them develop their careers over a period of a year. And that fund will be open again next year. We've got, two years pilot funding from Edmund Fairburn. So it's, it's really good to be able to do that. And it seems to be sort of producing the goods for the people that are on it at the moment. And that involves, who's, who's on that at the minute? At the moment, the, the four acts are um, Amy McAllister, whose uh, album will be launching, help her launch it uh, in, at the beginning of April, up at the Duncairn Centre. Uh, we have Joseph Layton, who's a very young guitar player from Derry. Uh, he's playing the sort of idiom of jazz and he's playing a support to the IM3 show on Thursday, um, the 11th of March, the Black Box. Um, the other band is Robo Cobra Quartet. Uh-huh, friends of the podcast. And then the uh, fourth one is Isabel Anderson, who's a singer-songwriter who's actually playing in the MAC here on International Women's Day, uh, which is, um, I think it's Wednesday week. 
that is the launch of the new podcast that Isabel's starting up, The Missing Voice. And so I think on the bill it's Isabel and... Uh, Die Hacks. And I mean, they've both played in our Jam Jar series, which was is a series of um, shows that specifically f- uh, involve women. Although it's not branded in that way, but at all. Well, that's what I really liked about the Jam Jar series. I'm glad you brought it up, actually. And that was uh, that was Una Monaghan and Gassia Ozonian, yeah. both formerly of the Sonic Arts Research Centre, but now over at Cambridge and off Ox- Oxford. They're both Oxbridge people now. Yeah, they um, are. But we, Belfast had their claim on them for a little while. Um, and that's actually, uh, like Gassia moving away from Belfast, I think is a, a big loss to Belfast because she was a great, cohesive Ca- catalyst. Absolutely. Yeah, bring people together. And different as well. Yeah, absolutely. So they programmed that with support from Moving On Music, a series of events in the black box that highlighted um, women working in sound and experimental sound yeah. specifically. Well, there's going to be another edition of that, but not the same. This year we're having like a little weekender, which will be in October, and Una will be returning for that. Um, I'm doing something with, um, I, her name escapes me at the moment, she's a dramaturg. Um, Emily Dudakis. That's right. Yeah, that's correct. Thanks. Also friend of the podcast. Yes. If you check out the archives. So, I mean, there's various other people, but we're waiting on the result of some applications at the moment to see what we can program. But there's a lot of people on hold for that. So it, that's a weekend at the beginning of October. So the jam jar thing continues. We just, I just decided to take a break from the sort of, I mean, it was, it was a Sunday for six months, once a month for six months in, the black box. But when Una moved away, I just took had a, took a decision that we would just try do a long kind of weekender show involving Una yeah. as an artist rather than the person that sort of mm-hmm. put the thing together. So there will be another edition of that. Belfast for the last number of years has been like a new festival city and there's so many different kinds of festivals and you have Moving On Music have their Brilliant Corners Festival but you're also running gigs throughout the year. Kind of like Open House Festival in that sense, although, you know, they're one big festival of the year goes, yeah. goes spans the whole month but you like them are putting on gigs throughout the year in different venues yeah um, we are on tours as well yeah yes and tours but with the current funding situation do you think that a lot of these sort of festivals um run sort of around belfast and throughout northern ireland are gonna sort of be lopped off nearly um or is it sustainable <sighs> can it grow where are we it, where are we head in the it, next it, it, five it could to ten grow, years but the, but but i think the cuts that have been made to the arts over the past number of years i mean it's really really getting very difficult i mean there's been an, a serious amount of money cut from the arts budget and I think that it's starting to have quite a big impact on activity. And and I I really personally don't think it's the right way to go because I think the arts are fundamental to so many things in life and make life worth living. And, you know, and they're what we, they're what make us as human beings, I think. And for that to, for people not to realize how important they are on lots of different levels and not to see the worth. I mean, for lots of studies been, have been done for every pound spent, there's, you know, 17 or something comes back, you know, into oh, the in economy. Oh, in terms of money invested yeah. in yeah. programs, like arts programs? And yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I haven't got the facts in front of me, but they're there for anyone to see. But I think we're, we're heading towards very, very difficult times, of course, and uh, a lot of... I mean, it is getting to a point where 
it really is a point of diminishing returns, I think, and it's got to, it's, it's really got to the crunch, I think. I don't see how they can cut much more and still have any decent activity going on. I mean, we tend to work very much in non-commercial music, let's put it that way. Yeah. That's what we do. I think the public money should be used for to, for, to, to put challenging stuff in front of, of an audience. That's my own personal belief. Yeah. And also to develop what's happening here locally. And we're doing both those things. And we've got lots of partners. You know, we're all working together. We're all making the best of the ver a very small pot. And I really don't think you can chip away at that much more. People are getting very frustrated and tired and because we're, we're very adaptable. But that's part of, that should be our strength, but it's also part of our feeling because that's why they keep chipping, the government keeps chipping away at it. Because it will somehow manage yeah. with less and less until there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and there's certain things, of course, that require huge amounts of subsidy or else they can't exist. Yeah. Like this building we're sitting in, for example. In the Mac in Belfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in the Mac in Belfast, the Ulster Orchestra. You can't have half an orchestra. Yes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not possible. Um, I mean, we're, we're working out in the, we're working out in all sorts of communities as well. Uh, you know, we've done lots of different projects. I mean, this one, the, the emerging artist one's an example. We've, we've worked with marching bands in Derry. We, you know, all kinds of stuff like that as well. It's not that as if we ignore what other people might want to see or believe in. The, um, there is an outreach uh, component to the festival as well, which we haven't talked about. There's some workshops and things, I think, yes, isn't there? Yes, there's, there's, some, yeah, there's some workshops um, in the Crescent Arts Centre. Friday the 10th and Saturday the 11th of March, there's, there's three sessions. And uh, they're for musicians aged 12 to 18. And uh, the workshops will be taken with, by Steve Davis, who is from... Uh, Northern Ireland, and Shane Latimer, who's from Dublin, a very experienced guitar player. Um, they, it's only five pounds yeah. uh, to join that. And that is an, in association with the uh, Younger Art Festival as well. Okay. And then there's the other outreach stuff, which is not on the program, is um, but is attached to the festival, is um, David Little will be doing three workshops in colleges in Derry and Armagh and Lisburn. And that he's going to be covering uh, sort of general music industry and his experience in it. Because David, let's face it, is one of the most uh, hardworking musicians that we have. And yeah. he's, he runs a record label, the first Irish person to be nominated for MOBO last year. He's uh, off to the States on um, an Arts Council Individual Artist Grant. He's been chosen to go to China by, on a British Council project. And he's given some life-earned advice. Yeah, I mean, he's learned by doing it, yeah. which is fabulous. I mean, he's a really good guy. People would learn a lot from him. Well, it sounds like the workshops are actually, they're, they're not even really tied to jazz specifically. No, I'd imagine not. like any person learning an instrument should go to those ones at the Crescent Arts Centre because working with Steve Davis, the drummer, and Shane, was it Shane? Shane Latimer. Shane Latimer, the guitarist. They're going to broaden people's minds. They're, like if I was a teenager going to that, I'd imagine my mind would be exploding because for me anyway, when I was a teenager, it was listening to music on the radio and TV yeah. and not really being aware of the kind of stuff that's going on in this programme. 
um, experimental music improvisation, this could totally like turn someone's head and you know make them discover something completely new. I think that's really exciting. Well, that's what these things are about. Is yeah, very much so. And that's in fact that's what the whole thing's about. I mean, I, I do kind of believe that you know if if one person at any individual concert really has their mind changed about what they do, what they listen to, how they listen to it, then it's been kind of worth it. And I think the same goes for in a very general education sense. The more live musicians we can get out into schools, no matter what they're doing, the better. Because that's how people get turned on to this stuff. And, you know, it can change lives. Definitely. I mean, it was only... That's how I get into music, in fact, was I was sitting in the common room at university. A guy walked in, he had a brand new copy of Hot Rats by Frank Zappa. He put it on, and that was that changed my mind forever. And here we are today. <laughs> and you've got a whole really lovely program of music that you programmed yourself. Yeah. Oh man. Well it's, Brian, all, it's <laughs> already taken 30 years. <laughs> Well, this week of gigs, Moving On Music's Brilliant Corners Jazz Festival looks like an amazing show. You can check it out uh, or you can get read all the details, movingonmusic.com. That's, that's correct, your website. Yeah. And you can get tickets from brilliantcornersbelfast.com. Anything else you'd like to plug while you're on? Uh, we have, yeah, we have just keep an eye out on our website for upcoming shows. As I said, we're, we're, we're launching the Amy McAllister Um Album, new album on the first of April. Don Karen, she's a really beautiful uh, harp player from County Antrim, and she's on our emerging artist scheme. And then we have a, a, a night music concert, uh, also on the Don Karen with uh, Alex Pactu, who's brilliant percussionist from based in Dublin, and his sister Joanna Pactu Colin, who is one of the leading. Uh, violin players in the Ulster Orchestra, who we worked with before on quite a few occasions. Fantastic violin player. And we have a tour by the great Canadian Roots Music Band called April Verge. And then we have a great show in May with Damo Suzuki from Cannes, with a whole load of local players, including Blue Whale and Paul Stapleton. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we have a, a trio from uh, Southern India, uh, they're called the Indian Impressions Trail uh, on at the Crescent Arts Centre. That's on the 25th of May. But there'll be other things too. Keep an eye on our website and sign up to the newsletter. Flip, there's only three and a half people in that office. And look at the amount of shows that you've put on. Only- yeah, well, that's... <laughs> we're mad, but that's what we do. <laughs> and I mean, all, the, we, the only reason that we can do these shows, of course, is the fact that not only do we, is there a good team, uh, of people working behind the scenes, but also the funders, who I should mention, uh, the Arts Council um, of Northern Ireland, are our principal funder, uh, Belfast City Council, our major funder as well, Performing Rights Society Foundation, the RMA Esme Fairburn, Fairburn Foundation, Department of Communities also give us some grants towards our marketing. We have and the Arts Council in the Republic of Ireland help uh, bands like Ronan Guilfoyle's hands band to, to tour. Sure. Uh, that's the real reason. And then we have partners, the Belfast Film Festival, the Black Box, Young at Art, and Queen's University. Ooh, it's, it's such a network in Northern Ireland, isn't it? It's so it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people pulling in the same direction or pushing yeah. in the same direction to get things off the ground. Yeah, well, that, that's one of the joys as well, being in this business, the kind of people that you can work with and we can all try and make things happen in often 
quite difficult circumstances. <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're in very confusing times right now. Let's hope they get less difficult and not more difficult we'll as we move unconfused. forward. She's coming here some live music. And yeah, well, that's not what music's all about, really. It's kind of distracting you from uh, all of the turmoil. Um, yeah. Or maybe making you think about the turmoil in a different way and sort of Absolutely. get out there and, you know, enact in a different way, perhaps. Yeah. Support live music. It's the it's 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 the thing to do. Yeah, Brian Carson from Moving on Music. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Jewel Case with me, John Darcy, and we'll be back hopefully next week with another episode. I have been putting the rumors out there that the Jewel Case is getting killed off at episode fifty, but the rumors might not actually be true. I, I feel like I'm building this up like a wrestling storyline and feeding the rumor mill, uh, only to come back, you know, unannounced with a surprise return. Um, but you will catch me soon. If you want to catch any of the old episodes, we talked about some friends of the podcast like Rubicuba Quartet, Emily Dadakis, Isabel Anderson. They've all been on the show before, so if you want to hear from them, go to thejewelcase.johndarcy.com for the full archive of all my episodes. Ah, relax. Good night. Reverie never fail me. I'm currently the Parsi, but I'd rather live like Ali. I strafe to the side in lieu of a step back into hindsight. I dream fast and loose, but today I'm slow and skin tight. I don't dream at night. Reverie endlessly, I wouldn't wish upon my latest enemy. My hands outstretched at 180. Living the life of reality. I dream of playing it cruel, but when I shift gear, I stall. I don't dream at all.